anyone serious about domains needs to know about and be a member of the ICA, the Internet Commerce Association. Did you know that dot-coms are essentially distributed by a monopoly that doesn't even compete for its own contract? Did you know dot-com prices may go up again on November 30th of this year? Because the temporary price freeze, in large part due to the ICA's advocacy, comes to an end on that date, Listen to today's show to learn how you can implement change for dot-com pricing. It's not that hard. Learn about the ICA's UDRP reform efforts. And learn how you can grow your network, including with the ICA at Namescon. First, serious about online trading? Secure your funds. Keep your merchandise safe and use a company that keeps the buyer and seller protected the whole way through. That's escrow.com. Payments you can trust. Finally, if you're a domain name investor, don't you have unique legal needs that require domain name technical know-how and industry experience? That's why you need Stephen Lieberman of Greenberg & Lieberman or Jason Schaefer of Esquire.com. Go search for Jason Schaefer or Stephen Lieberman on Domain Sherpa. Watch their interviews and you can see for yourself that they can clearly explain issues, can help you with buy-sell agreements, deal with website content issues and UDRP actions, and even help you write your website terms and conditions. Stephen Lieberman and Jason Schaefer are the lawyers to call for internet legal issues. See for yourself at Esquire.com or APlegal.com. Hey, Sherpa Network, thanks for joining us today. We have an ICA panel here to discuss how dot-com pricing works and the other work of the ICA. Joining us is Camila Sekovitz, Executive Director of the ICA. Hi, Camila. Hi, Tess. Zach Muscovitz, longtime domain attorney and general counsel for the ICA. Welcome, Zach. Thank you. Nat Cohen, longtime domain investor and ICA board member. Hi, Nat. Yes. Thanks for being here. And Andrew Rosner, CEO of Media Options and ICA member. Hi, Drew. Hi, Tess. Thanks to each of you for being here. Camila, why don't you start us out giving us um, just a, a, a quick overview. What is the ICA, its role in the industry, um, and perhaps who, who each of the board members are as well? Oh, sure. I'd, I'd love to. And uh, well, thanks for having us on the show. First of all, I actually can't believe that this is uh, the first time that we're on because both Michael Seiker previously was an ICA member and, and Andrew is an ICA member. So it's, I think it's about time. So thanks for having Absolutely. us. Absolutely. I yeah. agree. Yeah, and it won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, sounds good. Um, and so, uh, yeah, to, to, to sort of introduce the ICA, it's actually you know, surprising that so many people within the industry still don't know uh, what the Internet Commerce Association is, what we do, why, you know, why we're even around, uh, because you know, I believe that we're sort of essential for the, for the, for the domain name industry and for anyone uh, with any stake in domain names. And so, as any industry, um, you know, as any trade association for an industry, what we do is we look out for the interests of 
domain name owners and domain name related companies. And we are composed of, so our members are anybody from individual domain name owners, big portfolio owners, registrars, registries, parking companies, um, anyone in between. So pretty much anyone with any stake in, in, in domain names. Um, we've been around for over a decade at this point. Uh, I believe the Internet Commerce Association got started in 2000, back in 2007, uh, with CEDO, and back then it was domain sponsored. There were the two, I believe, two founding members. There might have been more. Uh, I wasn't around. And Phil Corwin back then was our general counsel. And uh, yeah, over the past uh, three years, so pretty much ever since I've joined the Internet Commerce Association, we had, um, we had undergone a lot of changes, um, evolved a lot, we had grew a lot. Um, and perhaps I'll, I'll let Nat Cohen speak a little bit about the recent, uh, the more recent changes uh, within, the, within the association. Nat Cohen is one of the board members. Oh yeah, before, so before we go to that, I will introduce all, the, all of the board members because uh, the ICA has an incredible board of directors and we have an incredible general counsel in Zach Moskowitz who's, who's joining us today, of course. Uh, and the board, of the, uh, the board of directors is composed of um, uh, individual, well, individuals from the domain name industry uh, with a very broad expertise. So we have, um, and I don't want to forget anyone because the board is growing and growing. So I'll start sort of uh, as, I, as I imagine people joining. So Jeremiah uh, Johnson from CEDO is, uh, is on, on the board and Jeremiah has probably been on the board from the beginning. Um, Daniel Law from back then he was with uh, Domain Sponsor and he is still on the board. Uh, Nat Cohen, uh, who's, uh, he'll probably tell us a little bit more about himself, but he's a longtime domain name investor and uh, very involved with, uh, with Internet Commerce Association. And I do want to mention that we probably wouldn't be where we are without Nat. Uh, we have Jay Chapman from DG Media. Uh, we have uh, Tess, oh, but before I go to Tessa, we have Bob Mountain from After, uh, After Nick and Well Go Daddy. And we have Tessa Holcomb, uh, who had just recently, probably just last month, uh, actually this month, she had joined the board of directors. And she has, a, a, you know, she has an expertise in brokerage and, uh, and branding. Oh, yeah, so I'll, you know, I'll let Matt talk a little bit about, uh, about the organization now. Thank you, Camila. Very, very good to know. Uh, Nat, you want to tell us a little more? Uh, um... Yeah, so I wasn't there from the beginning, but my understanding is it started when a group of some of the bigger companies realized that uh, you know, it's common interest and they really needed to um, have somebody speaking, uh, advocating for the interests of um, the domain industry. And over the years, um, the membership broadened. Um, it went from just the big companies to then a lot of domain investors, some of the bigger domain investors joined. Now we have a really nice cross-section of dozens of members from um, sort of beginning individual members to um, established domain investors, to brokers, to marketplaces, to um, bloggers, and we're international. We've got many members from Europe. We have some members from China, Australia. So we really are kind of a global membership reflecting you know, all aspects of the industry. And we're here because domains are kind of an unusual asset. They don't exist like a car or gold or anything like that. It's something that was created out of thin air, created according to a document. And that document assigns how you can do, what you can do with domains and how, how that value comes from is defined by this document. 
And that document, you know, people are always trying to change and tweak and adjust things. And the value that we have in domains, people are always trying to extract that or take that for themselves, whether it's, you know, trying to take it from a U through a UDRP or increasing prices on more valuable domains through registrars trying to do premium renewal prices, or there's all sorts of issues that come in. So as an industry with such a strange, intangible um, asset that we're relying on, it really requires having a, uh, an, a group to advocate for you and deal with all the issues that come um, in the door. And uh, so we're really fortunate to have a team with Camila and with Zach um, who are doing such a great job representing the industry, um, especially at ICANN and going to the meetings like they're going next week. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, it's, it's without them, we'd be in, uh, as an industry, be in much worse shape. So it deserves the support of the industry. In fact, we're here to talk a little bit about, about what we do. Yeah. Uh, um, I just want to chime in. So, Nat, I think, you know, you're one of the most, I mean, first off, for those who don't know you and, and what you've done in this business, I mean, I think Nat has, uh, Nat's company's got one of the top domain portfolios, in my opinion, maybe the top domain portfolio in the world. Um, you know, I, I value liquidity quite highly. Um, obviously, there are people who have names which could be more valuable than some of Nat's names, but um, in terms of the breadth of liquid names, there's nobody who, who's assembled a portfolio like Nat's. And what I think is interesting about Nat today in, this, in, in, in relative to this discussion is I think Nat is one of the most egregious uh, domain investors in the industry. Um, you know, the, 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 the case that comes to mind, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I, I, you know, it's public information. Um, but Nat in the early days lost uh, crew.com um, to J. Crew in, in what was a pretty egregious UDRP decision. And so I think, um, you know, I think Nat has, um, is, is speaking from a position of, of experience um, more than most people could in, in the domain industry and knows how badly these things can go if you don't have the right protective measures in place to, to protect our rights as domain owners uh, or, or, or you know, anybody on you know, any relationship to, to domain names and, and the industry. Um, and one of the trends which I've noticed, um, you know, just through the emails that I receive as a member from Camilla, is um, a lot of the most recent individual members, I assume individual members, I'm not even sure which, which membership level they, they're joining, but we're seeing more and more people joining immediately upon them receiving a UDRP notice. And so I think, um, you know, it, it's like everything. There's two ways to incentivize people. There's the carrot and there's the stick. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't take action until they get hit with the stick. And, um, you know, uh, there's been a lot of people making, filing egregious, um, uh, abusive UDRP filings. And, um, you know, many of the members of the ICA, uh, at least from my standpoint, I, I, you know, my limited visibility standpoint, um, are people who are being, you know, victimized by the, you know, sort of abusive nature by which some of these corporations um, use the UDRP mechanism. And so, um, you know, from my perspective, and the reason I support the ICA uh, to the extent that we do is because uh, domains have been very good to me and they've been good to uh, 
uh, a lot of people in this industry. And I think that um, if we want them to continue to be good for us, <laughs> we need to stay on top of it and not just be defensive, but be proactive in defending our rights, uh, if not expanding our rights. Um, you know, we're moving into a world, and, and sorry, I didn't mean to go on this long of a tangent, but um, I, I do think it's important to note that like we're moving into a world where a lot of things are being digitized, where things which are tangible that we think about as being tangible, um, even money, um, is becoming digital. Um, and understanding how those rights um, can be grappled with is, is critical. And I'm not aware of any organization which is at the forefront of that more than the ICA. And so I think the ICA, uh, I think it's really, really critical. Um, and I think anybody who makes a good living from domains um, or has a strong appreciation for domain names, um, you know, you, you have a, a responsibility to whatever extent, you know, is, is, is possible for you to support the ICA. Um, because, uh, you know, Zach is one of the hardest working men in the business. And this guy's out there doing nothing but protecting our rights. Yeah. Um, I also want to jump in just for the Sherpa Network and newer domainers. What he, what he was saying about it, not, it being a new asset class, this is what it means. There, are, there weren't any laws written already. So people had to lose things and um, go through very unfair lawsuits in order for um, laws to get written, in order for a trade union to form, um, and even people who are not currently making a good living off of domain names, the ICA exists to make this a, or because this is a serious industry. So if you want to invest your time and money, whether you're already making good money or not from domains, but if you want to take this as a serious um, endeavor, then it only makes sense to support the only trade union in this industry. Um, we need that to be, even after, you know, 20 plus years, that's a very short time for an asset class to have global laws created surrounding it. So the ICA not only have the membership options and the actual members grown, but the scope of what you have done has really grown over the years as well. Um, let's talk about the current issues the ICA is engaged in. Um, I know uh, the Sherpa Network is most interested in a potential dot-com price increase and what we can all do about that. But let's start a little bit. Probably UDR, um, UDRP reform is where it all began, and it's still crucial, and it's probably one of the top um, topics in domain investing this year. Um, let's, let's start out with that. Who wants to jump in on UDRP reform this year? I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Leave it to the expert. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so Tess, listen, you know, as you pointed out, UDRP is of crucial importance to the ICA and to its members who are domain name registrants. And the battle is being fought every day. Like, for example, just this morning, I heard about a, a brand new case that was filed at WIPO uh, by a company that came up with their brand six months ago and is going after a domain name that was registered 12 years ago. All right. Like it's incredible. And so 
you know, fortunately, the, through the hard work of the ICA and of domain name attorneys over the last 20 years, there's been a significant um, uh, wall built up uh, to try to push back trademark interests from using trademarks to take away valuable domain names that were registered in good faith. Um, however, the battle's still ongoing as, as per that case that I just mentioned. So what, what the ICA is trying to do there uh, currently is... Uh, is revise and reform the current UDRP policy to make it more fair, more balanced, uh, implement some key features to it, uh, accountability for the dispute resolution providers, uh, a proper way of coming up with case interpretations that isn't skewed in favor of, uh, uh, of trademark owners, um, way, ways of uh, establishing um, uh, no conflicts of interest for panelists, fair ways to pick panelists in a fair fashion. These and many more issues are what we're working Objectivity. Objectivity, working through the ICANN working group that's charged with this. So basically ICANN has had some 60,000 UDRPs uh, decided over the past 20 years. They don't have any office. They don't have any commissioner. They don't have any person who's exclusive jurisdiction at ICANN despite many, many millions of dollars of, of budgets and huge numbers of staff who actually oversees the UDRP. So we're pushing for that. We're also pushing within the ICANN policy development process to make the process fair. Uh, and so uh, I'm actually leaving to Barcelona tomorrow for the ICANN meeting, and there we'll be making our arguments in favor of uh, 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 reforms to uh, the URS, which is a kind of version of the UDRP. It, 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 right now, it, it's for uh, new GTLDs, and it's a rapid suspension mechanism to take down um, domain names. And so we're going to be making our arguments about that and about possible UDRP reforms in the future. This is a long-term task. This working group is going on probably for the next two, three years. And so the ICA is going to be there as it is every day and as it has been for the last 10 plus years, making sure that domain name owners have a say and have a seat at the table when it comes to policy about when and when not a domain name can be taken away. Thank you, Zach. And just to pull out a couple quick pieces there. Um, so 60,000 UDRPs have been filed over the years. And there's currently, there's no rules about the panelists who decide the UDRPs. There's no rules about how they um, pull which cases that they're building this case law from. There's no rule to make sure they don't have a conflict of interest. There's no commissioner to complain to or bring to light um, conflicts of interest or other legal mistakes. There's no recourse. That's what you're saying, right? It's really as remarkable as it sounds, uh, Tess. I mean, what happened is that in 1999, the early days of the commercial internet, ICANN came up with this UDRP policy. Uh, and they appointed um, a few uh, private companies. Uh, one of them is National Arbitration Forum, and another one was E-Resolution that since went out of business. And another one that still hears a lot of cases is WIPO, World Intellectual Property Organization. They, they gave these companies and entities the right to uh, set up this quasi-arbitration system. Um, 
and since they've appointed them, they've uh, they've more or less been left uh, to run the show as they see fit. So, for example, there's no conflict of interest policy that uh, goes across all of these private companies and entities. Uh, there's no um, uh, transparency about how panelists are appointed. So, almost. You know, with without exception, every single panelist, well, not every single, but, but the vast, vast majority of panels are from the trademark bar, and there's not a single domain name attorney that serves as a panelist. And so we end up with these remarkably crazy situations where, as a domain name lawyer, I might be up against a complainant trademark owner's lawyer who's also a panelist. So think about this. The, the panelist hearing my case might have been fighting me on another case the day before. That I mean, is permitted. That's outrageous. And um, I, it, it's just so important that the ICA is here. And to domain investors, um, 50 bucks a month is not a big deal to spend on a domain. Um, it certainly seems worth it if you ever might lose a domain or if you're just outraged and want to participate in implementing change. Um, so yeah. I think that's, that's um, really, it's so outrageous, it's almost hard to comprehend. Like, did he really say that? Um, so th thank you, thank you for all your due. Now let's talk about um, the cooperative agreement. Um, I just jump in very quickly and just say yeah. one last thing about the, so this working group, the RPM working group that Zach was, that Zach mentioned, I mean, we want to encourage people, you know, it has a very strong IP interest, that working group. Uh, we want to encourage our members or anyone, you know, to, to take part in that, in the working group. You can sign up, fill out a statement of interest and take part um, in, 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 you know, in, in, in the calls that they, that they have. Um, yeah, and so, take, you know, you can take an interest to take, you can just do it yourself. Thank That's you, Camila. Great, what, yeah. what does that stand for and how do we sign up? Zach, do you want to take that? So the, the working group, right. I can love acronyms. And so I know that it's RPM working group, but it has another, it has a longer name, I believe. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So basically we need all hands on deck from the domain name community to help influence the UDRP policy. All you need to do is contact Camila or myself uh, after watching this Domain Sherpa interview, and we will give you the instructions to sign up, and then you will help us balance out the disproportionate number of IP trademark interests that attempt to dominate the conversation. Thank you. Thank you. That sounds really important. Let's, uh, let's get it done. Um, um, so you want to talk about the cooperative agreement now? Maybe, Nat, you want to get us started? I'll, I'll, no, I'll turn it over to Camila and Zach. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give this a, a shot. So basically, you know, Nat alluded to it when we first started this conversation um, uh, that, you know, domain names are like a, a unique breed of asset that are really the creatures of um, some ones and zeros and, and uh, created by agreement. So who, who creates .com domain names? Um, Really, ICANN is the is the um, uh, entity that oversees uh, uh, .com domain names, but the company that issues them on a wholesale basis is a private company called Verisign. Verisign, or a public company called Verisign. They have um, 
tripled their stock price from $50 to over $150 in the last three years. They have the exclusive right. No other company has the right to issue .com domain names. So when you, perch, when you register a domain name through a registrar, such as GoDaddy or Tukas, you're essentially buying it from a, regis, uh, a registrar that has made it its own agreement to purchase those domain names from the registry, VeriSign. VeriSign is the only company that, that can do that. And so, so, yeah. So, so Zach, pardon me. Yeah. So, VeriSign has tripled their stock price in the last um, five years. Um, we're talking $2 billion of profits in the last five years paid for by us. Um, yeah. And it, it, you get a yeah. $150 stock price. That's only fourth of the highest stock prices behind Apple, Facebook, and Alphabet, which is Google. Well, so in terms yeah, so of, sorry, in terms of not stock price, but revenue per employee, right. that's a lot of money. Isn't, isn't that incredible, Tess? I mean, yes, I, uh, in terms of revenue per employee, they're only behind, as you pointed out, Google, Alphabet, Apple, Facebook. I mean, Someone quite rightly said VeriSign might be the most profitable company you've never heard of. Hmm. All right, it, they have a great, great thing going there. Um, there's other statistics uh, about how much uh, their uh, executives make. The top four executives there have been reported to have made over 18 million dollars uh, between themselves in 2017 for executive compensation, and that represents you know seven percent of their expenses, whereas you look at a company like Oracle, it's closer to 1%. They make a 60% operating margin. I mean, in any business in the world, to make a 60% operating margin is the most enviable position to be in. So, they, they now have a wholesale price at $7. I just want to add that 60% operating margin and they run fat. It's not like they're running a lean business. Yes, right. And, and, and so, Andrew, I mean, what, how much does it cost to issue a .com at wholesale? You know, if we look at other registries, uh, we have some idea about it. There's a lot of companies that would love to be to take over this contract from VeriSign that VeriSign's got from ICANN. You know, a lot of people say that it could be done easily under three dollars, and there would people would love to see this opened up for bid to get the lowest possible price. But right now. Uh, Verisign is selling them at the wholesale price at $785, and originally they wanted to raise them even higher. In 2012, they had cut a deal with ICANN. ICANN said, you can raise the price you know, uh, by 7% in, in four out of six years of your contract. And uh, Department of Justice got wind of this, a, a large part through the efforts of, of my predecessor, Phil Korn and the Internet Commerce Association, who's now policy counsel at Verisign. Uh, uh, it's a remarkable the way the world works, but the Department of Justice stepped in and said, we're going to put a price cap on this. This has got to stop. No more raising prices when you could be doing it so much less. And let, you know, we can't just let ICANN and VeriSign cut their own deal here. The, the public and consumers and business have, a, have an important interest at stake. So they put something called the cooperative agreement. What it is, it's a price freeze. The price freeze of, uh, to make sure that Verisign can't raise the price, and ICANN can't raise the price more than beyond 785 That agreement expires in weeks. November 30th, that price cap agreement will expire, 
unless the Department of Commerce agrees to extend it. We have asked NTIA repeatedly for them to do the right thing, fulfill their obligations as a government regulator, and extend that cooperative agreement. For every $1 that that price goes up, that means $134 million uh, in Verisign's pocket. This has got to stop. And that's why in completely free revenue, it literally will yeah. not cost them a single dollar more other than in lobbying costs yeah. uh, to get that dollar increase. It, it, yeah. There's no incremental expense for them. It's just pure profit as if a 60% operating margin is not sufficient. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so just, I want to pull this out again. So the U S government created this kind of train wreck. They granted an exclusive, no bid contract for Verisign to run the dot-com registry. And um, that's the government specifically, it's the NTIA, the National Telecommunications and Information Administration. Then Verisign, it cost them three bucks to issue a dot-com domain to um, then- well, We don't know. Okay, we about. Don't know. Well, yes. it could, yeah, it could be. Uh, okay, other so it cost them three bucks, but they sell it like, if you're buying your domain from GoDaddy, GoDaddy is getting you that .com for $7.86. That is 261% of the estimated $3 it costs them to make it. So they're already making that profit and they keep raising that price. Well, they have a 60% operating margin and they're issuing it at $7.85 right now. So you know, it basically costs them around four bucks is the current per domain, you know, the current per domain name cost to VeriSign is around four bucks. But, but it could be a lot less if someone else was doing it. Exactly. It, but this is a sweet, sweet, sweet business. And that's why Warren Buffett's company is a sizable investor in VeriSign. Well, there's not a lot of, uh, you know, there's not a lot of monopolies that you can invest into uh, in the Western world. So yeah, it, it's so, attractive uh, business. Now, and so there was a price freeze called the cooperative agreement, and now it's, expi it's expiring November 30th, and we, did the ICA help to implement that price, in, um, that price freeze and, in the past, and do you think in the future that we're able to um, create change or at least to hold back the tides a little longer, Zach? Well, as Camila will explain, uh, I see, um, we are doing things right now to try to stop the price increase of dot-com. Uh, and we'd like to take some credit for the last uh, uh, price freeze. But Camila, why don't you tell, uh, tell the viewers what the ICA is doing now to get the word out about this effort? Right. So I'll just quickly go back to, to what we were talking before. So if I, t what I tell, you know, friends who are not industry related about, you know, this campaign that we're running right now, number one is, oh my God, there's one company that controls all dot-com domains. Nobody knows that. So that's number one. Uh, I forget what number two is, but I'll come back to that <laughs> later. <laughs> but, uh, so, uh, so what do you, what do I see is do doing right now? I want to, uh, I'll take it back a little bit more. So, Beginning Q1, Q2 of this year, we had a couple of ICA members who came to us, and you know they they we already we were already looking into the cooperative agreement, but then we had a few of our members, and we're a member-led organization, and so the way that decisions are made is if a member comes to us with an issue, we look into it, the board discusses it, and 
we decide how to act on it. So we had a few members who came to us and asked us to look into the cooperative agreement. What does it mean? What happens when it expires? And so we did. Uh, Zach did a lot of uh, research. Uh, we had some other, uh, we have a legal, legal advisory group that, uh, that composed of domain industry uh, attorneys helped us look into the issue and we said yeah if this expires there is a real risk of the, the dot-com domain names uh, yeah uh, the price of those domain names increasing and so we put together a campaign uh, we registered it uh, we put together a website registered it under dot com uh, to sort of make a point that if you're going to register a website I understand that there is options but most of the time, anyone's going to go to a .com. And so while there is choice, a lot of the time there really isn't. And that website is stopthepriceincreaseoff.com. So that's our website, go check it out. On that website, there's all these statistics that you and Zach had already mentioned. Um, and on that website, very important, is a link to a petition. There's a couple of bread boxes, click on those, sign our petition. The petition is directed at David Riedel of the NTIA, and it basically states that we are asking the NTIA to take an interest and to, to consider, free, or we're asking them to uh, extend the, 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 the price freeze on that kind of meanings. And Zach, I don't know if you want to add anything else um, in terms well, of you know, listen, that, that, pet that petition is doing very, very well. There's nearly 2,000 internet businesses, domain investors, concerned citizens that have all put their name down to support the effort to stop the dot-com price increase. So we need every single person watching this to lend your fellow domainers a hand, sign the petition. Let's get that number up. Let's deliver it to Dave Reddle, the uh, person in charge of the NTI. Let's deliver it to ICANN. Show them that the community is watching, the community is concerned, and that the last thing that we need is to take more money from our pockets to, uh, to help a public company that's already making money hand over fist. Amen. Let's make sure we put a link to the change.org uh, petition uh, right into the show notes. I've actually um, started yesterday doing um, a, a, a daily tweet of the change.org petition. I think that um, uh, leading up to this um, airing, I think it's really important for our viewers to become aware. I mean, we, and you don't have to be a domain investor to sign this. I think of all my friends and neighbors, in fact, Democrat, Republican, this is probably the only thing anyone in the, in the U.S. agrees on. Monopolies still exist? Like, how is this even possible? Even if you're not a domain investor, who would not sign this petition? And I think the answer is, a VeriSign executive or stockholder. <laughs> oh, I just remembered what the second Not thing Not true. I'm actually a VeriSign, just for full disclosure, I'm actually a VeriSign shareholder. Um, I have been for a long time. Did you time. sign the petition? I consider it like a hedge. You know, it's like... <laughs> but we know you signed the petition, and yeah, you're willing to lose money on that stock. But if they're going to take your money, you're going to make it back on the stock. That's fine. Good point. Cam Camila, what were you going to say? I just remember what the second thing that all my friends say when I tell them about this is why didn't I even why didn't I invest in Verisign? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the company has done very very well. Yeah, 
Uh, it absolutely has. So um, I, I, just one thing I'm going to mention, very interesting, I think, as an interest, I, I think it foreshadows um, what could come. But, you know, it, it's difficult to say because of the bureaucracy involved in these things and the extremely high level government organizations which, which manage them, like the NTIA. Um, but it was interesting, uh, maybe two or three weeks ago, uh, Cloudflare uh, came out and announced that they're going to launch a commercial registrar um, at cost. So they're going to literally put zero upcharge on what VeriSign charges for their customers to register a .com. So VeriSign charges $7.85 to a domain registrar um, for each individual .com domain registration. And, um, you know, GoDaddy might charge you, you know, depending on what deal you've got with them, anything from, you know, eight fifty to God only knows, $12 maybe. Network Solutions is like 25 or 30 or something. Um, you know, so GoDaddy, yeah, so GoDaddy, like everybody else, is getting the domain from Verisign for seven eighty five, mm -hmm. and then they're charging 8 bucks or 12 bucks. So they're making like a $1 to $4 profit per .com sold. But Cloudflare yeah. is going to get it for seven eighty five and sell it for seven eighty five. Yeah, and I'm sure you know as a business decision, um, you know it's hard to buy something and sell it for the same price and make that a sustainable business. But I think you know they're of course looking at it as a commercial registrar, and they will you know so many people are already using Cloudflare for other services that I think they'll be able to upsell them on much more expensive services that Cloudflare offers. Um, and but what I thought was most interesting wasn't even just the fact that they're going to offer it at cost, but the fact, the, the the statements that the CEO made, which were essentially, as our engineers analyzed what it would take for us to be a registrar, we realized and truly couldn't even understand how. You know, I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like we couldn't believe what an easy job it is to be a domain registrar and for VeriSign to do their job. It's literally an API. It literally requires like nothing. You're literally just creating something out of thin air. You're pinging an API and creating this new registration, which doesn't require any paperwork. It doesn't require, you know, stamps or mailing any, it's just, it's boom, you've got a domain registration. And so, um, you know, I think for a company like Cloudflare to say, whoa, this doesn't make any sense. We're going to just start selling these things at cost because it literally will cost us virtually nothing to offer this service to our clients. Um, you know, that won't go unnoticed. Let's say that. And, and I think it, it does foreshadow um, what could come later. Um, I, I, would, I think Cloudflare would be, uh, you know, even with no experience as a back-end provider like an Affilius or a CentralNIC, um, I think that uh, I think Cloudflare would be a phenomenal company to uh, put in a competitive bid to run the dot-com registry. Um, that would be really impressive. And, and there's nobody on the planet um, that takes security as seriously as Cloudflare does, which would be particularly interesting as well. Now, is there currently a process for Cloudflare to enter a competitive bid? No, uh, no, right it's now, no, bid, no bid contract. Yeah, how is that not the definition of a monopoly? It, well, it is a monopoly. H how is that possible well, in the United States today? Well, it's because it would be very difficult to have a multi-party system running a registry. 
but it's not um, very difficult for Cloudflare to say, we'll do it for four bucks. That's not difficult. Yeah. Well, the, you difficult. have companies out there who are saying, the like, end, I think Phileas, mean, Phileas said that they would do it for three something. So, um, I mean, it, there are companies that would be very, very happy to do it for a lot less money. And is the ICA, I mean, it's almost like we're working from behind where right now we're just trying to get them to stop these continual price increases. But is the ICA in the future going to be in a position to possibly affect change of that no, no, um, no compete, non-existent bidding process to, to encourage the U.S. government to have a bidding process? Like, can't we sue them? Yes. Well, you know, it's a very good question, Tess. And by all rights, the domain name industry should be extraordinarily well-funded and very, very powerful. After all, we collectively own millions and millions of domain names, probably the majority of all domain names uh, registered. So we should be an extraordinarily powerful force. Unfortunately, uh, the domain name industry hasn't sufficiently come together by uh, paying their dues to the ICA by making those efforts. And so we are a relatively small organization compared to a company that's made $2 billion over the last several years. Uh, or, or, but we've seen some great indications, for example, uh, GoDaddy um, uh, made representations to uh, Congress uh, that there should be a, a process open uh, uh, for bidding on this contract. We've also wrote directly to the NTIA when they asked for comments on internet policy saying that there should be an open bidding process for this and we're going to continue doing that and another letter is going out shortly to that effect. So we, these are changes we'd like to see, but right now the, the imminent issue is in a November 30th price cap expiry date. So that's what we're focusing on at the moment. Thank you. Thank you so much to each of you for all that you do. I mean, this enormous, um, I, 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 this, this enormously fat organization is, um, built on the backs of each of us, of domain investors. And it sounds like what the Sherpa Network can do is sign the change.org petition, share the change.org petition, and join the ICA, Stop Monopolies in America. Um, get a, a no bid changed. Um, well, it's not America. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's Verisign is an American company, but this yeah. is you know, a global interest. But uh, the U.S. government is the one that's, that's allowing a no-bid contract, right? Yeah. Let me, can I ask a, not, not a question, Nat? You know, as a domain uh, investor, what, what kind of cost increases would a domain investor be facing if there was, you know, uh, an extra dollar uh, charged across their portfolio of, X number of domain names, you know, how would that affect them directly in the pocketbook if they woke up December 1st and saw that this something had changed? Oh, Nat, you're muted. Oh, here. Nat? Sorry about that. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, it depends a little bit on the investor. Some investors do uh, have large portfolios and they're just making small margins, you know, on each domain and that would be, um, 
you know, that would really hurt their business model. Um, it's, um, yeah, to, to the point about there being a monopoly, I mean, there are some monopolies in the U.S. Usually these are like utilities who have a monopoly over a certain area, and those are heavily regulated to make sure that they don't, you know, their pricing is uh, reasonable and their profits are reasonable. It's, it's unusual to have a monopoly that's unregulated and is allowed to increase prices um, in a monopoly situation. And that's what we have here, right? And yeah, and even though there's other extensions, .com is unique in the marketplace because it has, plays a unique role. Um, .com domains are valued usually about 10 times any other extension with the same you know, keyword. It's, it just... Um, it's At least, different. I mean, I think we've even seen a, an un... Um, uh, it's basically become untethered from, from all the other extensions. I think that was sort of a longstanding rule that .com was sort of 10x the .net or the .org. Um, and with the introduction of all these new GTLD domain names where, you know, now you've got a thousand extensions competing for second place, um, it's really watered down the market for the second place. You know, your, your second best alternative has become um, very diluted. And so, in my opinion, and, and I, you know, I think we're one of, if not the top domain broker in the world. And so... <laughs> You know, we're, we're seeing this on a daily basis. Um, we're seeing a substantial increase in dot-com values and a dilution of basically everything else. Um, you know, if I went back five, six years, uh, .nets and .orgs uh, were a material part of our business, um, at least 10%, if not more. And today, I doubt it's 1%. Um, it just... Yeah, if you're, looking, if you're looking for a global brand, Sort of your expectation is that you're going to have a .com and there's no other extension that has that plays that role in the market. So it's a unique product, delivers a unique service, which is all good, except um, you know, it, is a it does appear to be a monopoly situation where one company is benefiting from that and there's no effective um, competition to keep prices in check. So that's the role for the U.S. government to step in um, to decide as a political matter whether... Um, increasing profits for this one company is more important than um, the uh, pricing that, you know, the owners of over 100 million dot-com domains need to pay year after year. So we're just, hope, we're trying to, you know, present it to them so that uh, they'll hopefully make the right decision. Well, thank you. And this is a global, you know, everyone in the globe can sign this petition because even though it's the U.S. government who's, um, created this situation, everyone in the globe who uh, buys dot coms is um, affected. Yeah, is affected, and it's these profits are built on the backs of small business owners and individual domain investors. Really, we're the ones so, paying. To, to that point, I mean, I, I think it's always important to understand the other side of the coin uh, that you're up against, and so I think from. <clears throat> From the government's perspective, like um, nobody likes us, right? No, the, the, it's just a fact. I mean, as domain investors, um, we've uh, well, I think we've probably dug our own hole, um, and and I think um, the reputation of the domain industry is improving. But there's there, there's no question about it. I think as domain names are are becoming more recognized as as critical um, infrastructure, ultimately. Um, the importance and the value of them is increasing, which increases visibility, um, which increases sort of um, the overall 
appreciation for, for the names themselves, the industry that supports them, um, and, and the channels by which you can obtain them. And um, the problem is that the, the, you know, the government is looking at this, the NTIA, um, basically everybody involved except VeriSign is looking at it and going, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's like, well, okay, you're gonna buy a domain name, you're gonna put a business on it, you want to tell me that you're going to feel a difference between 785 and 885 or 785 and 12 dollars you know well what about these new gtlds that are you know 200 dollars a year what why you know if you're a business that shouldn't really affect you um but i think zach made an important point that uh, domain investors i am quite certain represent the majority of domain registrations um you know it, it, while it probably is true that the individual you know, company who has between, let's say, one domain and, and maybe 100 domains at most, you, you know, um, raising the price of dollar is not going to materially affect them, um, even though in principle it is obviously wrong and unfair um, and unnecessary considering the company operating it has a 60% operating margin. Um, but ultimately, this is infrastructure. This is critical, critical infrastructure. Domain names underpin the most important economy on the earth, which is the digital economy. And so the government looks at this and says, well, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, we know VeriSign can effectively run this registry. And we run the, you know, it's always the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And so I think that's probably the way that they're examining this and saying, well, you know, if we, if they increase a dollar, you know, we don't care about domain investors. Um, and so my, to, to bring this to a conclusion, um, the point is the only way to change that perspective is to highlight the fact that domain companies, domain investors, domain registrars, domain brokers, Everybody who makes a living in this business needs to, as much as people, you know, hate each other, whatever, you just need to, we need to collectively um, confront this obstacle. And the only way to channel all of our resources and the power uh, that we do have if we uh, took advantage of it is through, you know, a single point. It's, it, 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 it's through the ICA. And I, I make this point often about why a domain is so valuable. And it's because if you're a corporation and you've got this one brand uh, and you've got your dot-com version of that brand and you channel all of your resources, so basically don't put your resources into a third party that you don't control like Facebook. Put your resources through a singular touch point where you control the relationship, the data, and everything with your customers or your audience. And so the dot-com becomes that touch point. And it's like, you know, the pogo stick analogy. If you put, you know, if you just jump in the air, you come down on your feet, you're only creating as much force as you went up with, as much force as, you know, yourself. If you jump, if you do the same thing on a pogo stick, you're, you're channeling all of that um, mass into a singular touch point. And at the bottom of that pogo stick, you're creating exponential force relative to your mass. And a dot-com does the same thing. If you take all of the resources of your company and you channel them into a single touch point, you're amplifying exponentially the power of your brand, the power of your message, 
um, and your ability to control a particular audience. And so um, the, that exact analogy, you know, carries over uh, to any organization. Um, and the ICA is the bottom of the, the domain name pogo stick. So if all of the domain industry were to channel its resources through the ICA, it creates a very powerful voice, exponentially more powerful than any individual or any organization within the domain industry. Um, you're putting everything into, you know, a needle point. Um, and that needle, you know, you poke hard enough, we'll, we can make people move. Thank you so very much, um, Drew. That's that's a great point to end on. Uh, no pun intended. <laughs> um, uh, you know, Nat was saying earlier about ten percent of dot coms are held by investors. We are a force in this industry. Um, it's time to take some action so we can implement change. Um, as a domain uh, investor and member of the domain community, um, thank you to each of you for all that you do. Um, I've signed the change.org petition, I'm sharing it, and I am joining ICA today. Uh, Camila, do you have something you'd like to, uh, to end with? Oh, I can't hear you. Okay, how about now? Do you have something you'd like to end with? Yes, I just want to say a very big thank you to for having us on the show, um, Andrew. You've been you know hugely supportive of the ICA. Thank you for that as a member and as a platform platform here. Uh, and I wanted to add as we're planning, so you know we're we're uh, we're involved with uh, with NamesCon. For, we'll be attending NamesCon every year at NamesCon. We host a dinner. It'll be on Monday night as every every year. Uh, we want to invite everyone to come to our to our dinner. You get to cool. You get to so you don't have to be a member to come to dinner? Uh, no, you don't have to be a member. However, if you become a member uh, at dinner, uh, you get your dinner for free. <laughs> so come to dinner and become a member. You get to cool, meet cool people like Andrew and jo join, join ICA. Uh, Andrew, I couldn't have you know, said it better. Thank you for, 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 the, for the ending. Um, yeah, we, we're there to, to work on the behalf of all the domain name, domain name owners and anybody you know, with a stake in domain names. So uh, join the organization and, uh, and yeah, come to our dinner at Namescon. Thank you, Camila. We will I just want to add one quick point. I won't ramble this time. Um, but Camila brought up a really good point. Another benefit of joining the ICA beyond all the other important stuff that we've talked about here is just purely networking and um, access, right? So Basically, the most important people, the most successful people in the domain name industry are members of the ICA. Many of them are, at least. And, um, you know, we're getting uh, weekly or monthly or, you know, as often as there's something to share. Camilla is sending out these, these newsletters. And, you know, you're getting um, introduced. When you join, you're, you're being introduced to literally the people that, you know, are the most influential, the most successful in the industry. Um, many of those people are going to reach out to you. They're going to say thank you uh, for joining. Uh, you know, thank you for supporting. Um, you're going to get, uh, you know, to some degree. Uh, hopefully, you know, no, nobody should abuse that that access. But you, you've got access and um, some degree of, um, uh, I don't know what the word of is. of leverage. You get some some access and leverage through that through the networking. Yeah, well, people are just going to, you know, they're going to take and you a little more seriously. 
Yeah, yeah that, that's what I was looking for. You get you know access and credibility uh, by joining uh, the ranks of the, those folks, um, the folks like everybody here on this panel and and more. Yeah, and you get well, my newsletter and your 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 fabulous newsletter. Yes. Um, so thank you to each of you joining us from across the globe. Um, we'll see y'all at uh, at NamesCon. Thank you, Tess and Andrew. Thanks thank so, you much. so much. Thanks everyone. Thanks guys. Take care.